I am praying, and I have prayed for you, that God does something special for you this weekend. And so uh, we, we've been in this series called Great Expectations, and, and Simon Peter is written, has written this book, First Peter, wrote First and Second Peter. He's in Rome. He's writing back to the early church. The early church, just a little bit of review because it's just so important. And so he's writing back to the early church, and he's encouraging them and because they're going through persecution. And so he's telling them, this is, what God is, this is what God has done for you. This is what God says about you. This is who you are in Christ. And, and then he starts helping them with some of their external wounds and, and so, because they're in persecution. And so those you know, external wounds, those are the wounds that we have on the outside. Uh, and, and then, then and when we enter 1 Peter chapter 4, that's where we are this morning. We're going to look at 11 verses. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. I know that's, I know that's a lot of verses. Uh, I, I made a commitment to you when we started 1 Peter that we would go line by line, verse by verse, sometimes paragraph by paragraph. And so today we're going to tackle this entire paragraph so that you understand the context and the culture. And so, so here's what's happening. Simon Peter had been talking about some external wounds. Now he comes into 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And I know this can bring a lot of emotion. And he comes into 1 Peter chapter 4 and 1 through 11, and he says, now, let's, let's deal with the hidden wounds. Let's deal with some of your hidden hurts. Uh, there, there's, there's a difference between external wounds and internal wounds, right, or hidden wounds. That when you have an external wound, whether you've broken a bone and your, your arm is cast or a leg is cast or your arm is in a sling, when you walk into a place, you walk into a church, you walk into a room, everybody knows you have, you have a wound. I mean, it's on the external but if you're carrying a hidden wound, if you're carrying unforgiveness from the past, if you're carrying some things, then you can walk into a place like this and you can put on a happy face, but nobody knows the wound that you're carrying. And here's what I've learned in life, that a lot of times our external wounds heal a lot quicker than our internal wounds. That sometimes, you know what, after six weeks, eight weeks, the cast comes off of an arm and you're good as new. There's something about a hidden wound. There's something about a hidden hurt. And see, this is what Simon Peter starts talking about here. Where you come to the place to you realize that, you know what, one of the things that we have all maybe in common this morning, we all, we've all been hurt. If you've lived any length of time in life, then, then you can carry some wounds. We, we've all been hurt. We've all been rejected or betrayed or, 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 or something's going on in our life. And, and may, maybe you're like me. And maybe you could take a legal pad, a piece of paper, and write the names of some people in your past that have hurt you. And you, you remember what they did and, and how they've hurt you, what they said, how they betrayed you or, 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 or that area. But, but we, we have a choice to forgive. Now, listen, a number of years ago, I walked this path of forgiveness. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. I, I want to help you in this area of, of forgiveness. So that's why the title of this message is, is Dealing With Our Hurts, because guess what? We have to deal with our hurts, and Simon Peter says a lot of people deal with them different. The world, uh, non-Christians handle them one way, and we as Christians, we should handle them a different way. And so maybe, maybe you're here this morning, and you know what? This, just me talking about this created some emotion in your life. And some of you may have been hurt by people in your past, whether, whether a mom hurt you, whether a dad hurt you, an ex-wife, an ex-husband wrongfully treated you and wrongfully hurted you. Maybe you've been hurt by a family member. Maybe you've been hurt by a child. Maybe you've been hurt by a coworker. Maybe you've been hurt by a, by a friend. And so Simon Peter would say you, you have to forgive them. You have to come to this place to where you're willing to deal with your hidden hurts so that why? So that you can, you can move on. And so we can have some hidden hurts. We can have some hidden hurtful memories, whether it's recollections or memories of the past. And so may, maybe you have some wounds of rejection. 
Maybe you have some wounds of abandonment or unfaithfulness. Maybe you feel like, you know what, your life just doesn't really matter. Somebody has ridiculed you. Someone has made fun of you. Someone has maligned you. Someone has twisted your words. And as a result of that, you kind of you feel insecure. Maybe you have some trust issues. And so when you look at this world, that we can pick up these hidden worlds, for, hidden wounds from anywhere in, in the world. I mean, you can, get them, you can get them from society. Some of you may have been wounded in society through prejudice or, or injustice. You could be wounded by family members or you could be wounded by a child or a friend or someone at school to where you were bullied or where you were hurt. And maybe a friend has betrayed you and maybe it comes from the workplace. But this morning, I want to help you. I want to help you walk this journey wherever you are. And so I want to read these 11 verses so we understand, we get the context of what Simon Peter is talking about. And then I'm going to come back with four principles of how to find healing. If you're going to find healing, how to do that. So here's what Simon Peter writes to this early church, writes to us as well. And we'll just, I'll just read it all the way through, and then we'll, we'll walk back through this together so we get the context. Starting in verse 1, it says, Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself, this is huge, with the way, same way of thinking, the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join in, join them in the same flood of debauchery. And as a result, they'll, they'll make fun of you. They'll, they'll malign you when you don't try to numb your pain the way that they do. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached to even those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Then here, I believe this is the focal verse, the hinge verse, verse 7, then the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers above all, keep loving one another honestly, earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now all of a sudden we realize this is a prayer. Now all of a sudden we realize this is a prayer Simon Peter has for the early church. It's a prayer for us. Because there's no way you and I can move on in life until we deal with some of the stuff of the past. And so this morning, I want to give you four things. I just want to give you four things that if you're going to find healing from your past, if you're going to find healing in your life, then these four attitudes, this same way of thinking, has to be a part of your life. And so here's the first one. The first one is this. It's just I've kind of said it. There has to be a change of attitude. In other words, there has to be a change of attitude to where you, you come to the place. And, well, let's just read it again. Verse 1, he says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, <coughs> arm, your, <coughs> excuse me, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from, from sin. So, man, right off the bat, it is so cool that, that what Simon Peter does. He says, hey, guess what? If you, if you have wounds of the past, you're in good company. So did Jesus. Right? I mean, it said that, 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 that he, he suffered. So you, you ask yourself, well, how did he suffer? I mean, how many wounds did Jesus have? Well, the scripture tells us he had seven physical wounds. 
He's had nails prints in his hands and in his feet. He had, a, he had, a, he had a, 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 a stripes on his back. He had a spear that pierced his side. He had a, a crown of thorns on his head. And so you realize right off the bat that Jesus had some external wounds, something you may not have ever thought about. Jesus had some hidden wounds. He had some internal wounds. Jesus dealt with someone maligning him. People ridiculed him. People rejected him. They made fun of him. They crucified him. Jesus' closest friends, when Jesus needed them the most, they like, they like scattered. They like ran. So when you look, at, you look at Jesus and you look at this verse, you can say, you know what? Jesus suffered just like us. And, and Jesus understands your hurt. When you hurt, you can, you, you can say, you know what? Jesus understands my hurt. In, 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 in Hebrews, I think it is. Well, I know it is. In Hebrews, it says this, that Jesus is a high priest that suffered like us. He was tempted by sin, though he did not sin. But as he's high priest, he can sympathize with us. In other words, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be mistreated. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be talked about. He knows what it's like to have his friends walk away when he needed them the most. And so Simon Peter says, you know what? When you, when you go through hurt, when you go through pain, you need to have the same attitude, or, or to quote the ESV, you need to have the same way of thinking as Jesus. And so what was Jesus thinking? Well, he was always thinking about forgiveness, right? I mean, remember Jesus on the cross when he's being crucified? And Jesus had this prayer, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. In other words, he was ha- able to have compassion on them, even in that moment. And listen, you, you can come to the place, and, and you say, you know what, Charlie? I was like tracking with you till then. But I don't want to forgive I mean, I, you, don't, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how deeply they hurt me. Charlie, I, man, I, I don't want to forgive because you know what? They hurt me so deeply, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And you're exactly right. Forgiveness is never deserved. Forgiveness, it would not be forgiveness if it was deserved. Forgiveness is never deserved. Forgiveness is never earned. Forgiveness is something deeper than that. And listen, I'm telling you, this issue of compassion. See, 1 Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter starts talking about this issue of compassion. Compassion is the gateway to forgiveness. Compassion is the gateway to where you understand that, guess what? None of us are perfect. That we're all messed up at some level. And that we do some things and we, we do things to hurt other people. It doesn't mean that you're still in relationship with that individual. Please hear me. But you have to understand this, that, that, that when you walk in this life long enough, life is too wounding, too fallen, not to scar. And so, this do, listen, this doesn't excuse the wrongdoing. This doesn't excuse what happened to you or what they did to you. It doesn't suspend consequences in their life. Wrong is wrong, right? But please, please hear me. And, I mean, this is just so important for you to understand this morning. Unforgiveness fuses you glues you, welds you, whatever word you want to use. Unforgiveness glues you to the offender of your past. And the wrong keeps on wronging. When you're unwilling to forgive that person of the past, when you're unwilling to forgive them, I hate to tell you this, even though they're no longer in your life, even though you don't travel in those same circles anymore, even though they're away from you and all of those other things, when you are unwilling to forgive someone in your past, it fuses you to them. And the wrong keeps wronging. The hurt keeps hurting. The betrayal keeps betraying you. 
And as a result of that, they, do, they can dominate your mind. They can dominate your emotions. They can dominate your actions. And you cannot, listen, you cannot move forward. And so the reason that we, listen, the reason that you forgive those people and the reason that Simon Peter is pushing us in this area, listen, I'm, I, I've been there. There were some people that hurt me in my past, and I, I refused. I did not want to forgive them. But all of a sudden, the pain got so great in my life. And the reason, the reason you forgive, you're never, listen, you're never going to stop hurting until you forgive them. You're never going to stop the pain until you learn these principles of forgiveness. Listen, you and I, you do not forgive to make the past right. You forgive so that you can have freedom in the future. You forgive so it breaks that glue, it breaks that weld, it breaks that connection to them. So that all of a sudden you're not looking back in your life about, oh, how they hurt me, oh, how they rejected me. But all of a sudden, you, you now, you've got freedom. And you can move to the, the future. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it. This is so huge. Paul's writing about this in Hebrews. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and that it may defile. So, the root of, 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 um, of unforgiveness, I'm sorry, the root of bitterness or resentment, what drives resentment in your life, maybe is a better way to say it, is unforgiveness. See, out of unforgiveness comes this issue of, 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 of bitterness. And out of bitterness comes resentment. Resentment, listen, let me just tell you, resentment only hurts you. Resentment never hurts that other person. I mean, you may be resentful, angry over some things that happened to you. Someone did to you 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Every time you, you think about it, every time you think about that individual, the emotions come up, the anger comes up, the hurt comes up, the pain comes up. When I started talking about this subject, all of a sudden, like, you could see their face, and you could see their name, and you could, you could remember exactly what they've done to you. And every time that, that happens to you, do you realize that person, their conscience may be so seared, they're not even thinking about you. They're not even thinking what they did to you. They're, it is not even, and you know whose mind it's controlling? It is controlling your mind. It is control. Listen, resentment. Resentment only hurts you. It never hurts the other persons. It's like you picking up hot coals out of a fire. You're the only one that's going to get burned. You're the only one that's going to walk in pain. And so what Simon Peter says, if you're going to find, listen, if you're going to find healing in your life, the first thing you have to do, you have to have a change of attitude. You have to say, you know what, I'm willing to forgive. I, I understand that the, we, we, we can't keep dealing with it because Hebrews says this, that a root of bitterness springs up, defiles many. Do you realize when you don't forgive and you have a root of bitterness that it can affect the healthy relationships in your life? It can prevent you from having healthy relationships. Why? Because you're carrying the pain of the past and you're seeing the healthy relationships around you through the lens of someone that has betrayed you in the past. As a result of that, you have trust issues. As a result of that, you have all kinds of issues. The second thing is this. Not only is there a change of attitude, but there has to be a change of focus to where your focus begins to shift. Your focus begins to change. Your focus begins to change <coughs> from the past to, to the future. And so here's what he says, verse 2. We're just going to track through these verses together. Verse 2, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 
In other words, he's saying you've got to get your attention off yourself. See, that's the problem. When you're carrying unforgiveness, you naturally focus on yourself. You naturally focus on your hurt. You naturally focus on your pain. That's why when you're, when you're with relationships and you're with people and the conversation can die, all of a sudden you're, you're what? You're bringing up the past. You're, bringing, you're rehearsing it again in your mind, and you're talking about that stuff in your mind. And so Simon Peter is saying, if you're, if you're going to do this, there has to be a change of attitude. But there has to be this change of focus to where you get, listen, you get the focus off of yourself, and you, you get it on to, 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 to the healer. You get it on, on to God. And for the rest of your life, regardless of what happened to you, regardless of the hurt in your past, it doesn't matter as much what happened to you in the past as the direction that you're headed right now, as the direction of your feet are headed right now. And listen, this requires a mental shift. It's a choice that you have to make. And so, so someone can push back at this point of the message, right, and say, well, are you telling me? Are you telling me to ignore my past? Are you telling me it was like no big deal? Are you, are you, are you telling me to, like, ignore my past? Of course not. It's okay to feel sadness over the hurt and the pain and the rejection. It's okay to feel that. It, the fact is, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about this issue of mourning or this issue of lamenting. And so we mourn from a position of trust or a position of faith. We, we lament from a position of trust or a position of faith. And so we mourn. In fact, as the Bible says, as the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But there is a big difference between mourning and moaning. Mourning is I feel sadness over the past, the loss of the relationship, the loss of innocence, the loss of, 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 of whatever. I feel sadness over that. But, but moaning? Moaning says I'll never get over it. Moaning, moaning says, you know what, I'll, I'll never get over it. And I'm going to moan about it the rest of my life to even the healthy relationships that are around me, and, and, and I'll just bring, I'll bring everybody down. Moaning says, I'll never get over it. And you know what, that's just not true. Because what Simon Peter says, what Scripture says, it's a choice. You can choose to get over a hurt, or you can choose not to. You can choose to mourn and move on, or you can choose to moan the rest of your life. But when you do that, it only hurts you and the relationships that are around you. And the only way that you could do that where there's a change in focus to where you begin focusing on the healer and not the hurt. Listen, God, listen, God wants to heal you. God wants to, God wants to bring good out of bad. I mean, we're life journaling through 1 Corinthians right now. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. That even though it seemed like we were served a death sentence, that he can bring glory out of that. He can bring something good out of that. And when he does, we comfort others the same way that God has comforted us. And so the secret is trusting him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, when, of Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I, I think sometimes in just talking about this, one of the things maybe that's hard for us in this area of forgiveness <coughs> is we forget that God sees everything that we go through. God knows, God sees everything that has happened to you. And when someone hurts you, when someone rejects you, when someone betrays you, 
It says it breaks the heart of God. And I think sometimes that when we forget that, subconsciously we think, you know what, i got to hold on to the hurt. Because if I, don't, if I don't remember this, who will? If I forget this, then it's like what they did to me was no big deal. It's like they, they get off, off scot-free. No, they don't. Listen, I've, been, I've, I've lived enough of life. I've been doing ministry long enough to, you know what, I realize nobody ever gets, ever gets away with anything. It may not be on your same timeline, but I'm just telling you, nobody ever gets away. Nobody ever gets away with anything. I think I said that correctly. And so we forget. We forget that, that God knows and he sees. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a verse, and I don't know if it will bless you. It, it, it helped me in, in this journey many years ago when I came across this verse, and, and I'm struggling with this. And so watch this, Psalm 56, 8. It's a prayer from the psalm writer. And he says, you have, speaking of God, you, you have count my, my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You know what this says? God keeps a record. God keeps a record of your tossings. The times that you were in bed and you couldn't sleep because the hurt and the pain of the past was dominating your mind, you were rehearsing it over and over and over, and it cost you some sleep. It also says that God takes your tears and puts them in a bottle. He keeps a record in a book. Do you realize that Scripture says that God has remembered and keeps every tear that you've ever cried? And God even keeps the internal tears that you didn't shed, the deep hurt, to where you came to the place and says, I, I have no more tears. I mean, I have no more tears to cry over this issue. And, and it says that God even keeps those. And so as a result of that, we can keep quit rehearsing the pain. Because guess what? The scripture says God's going to remember it for you. So why don't we let him settle the score? Why don't we let him balance the books? Because nothing has ever slipped by his watchful eye. And why don't we move on with our life? Paul said in Romans 15, 13 about this. And he said, he said, he said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. And so he says there's three benefits, what Paul says, of allowing God to heal your hurts and heal your wounds, that he will, he will give you just what Scripture says. <coughs> He'll give you hope, joy, and peace. When you, forgiveness does not make the past right. It makes the future right. So that he can give you hope and he can give you joy and he can give you peace. If you're going to find healing in your life, then the third thing is this. You first use a change of attitude. It's a change of focus. But the third thing is this. There's a, there's a change of action. Once you get your mind off of the past and you've been set free of the past, you start looking to the future. And guess what? Then becomes, then becomes a change of action. Verse 3 through, through 7, Simon Peter begins writing and says, Oh, there's a way that the world handles their pain. There's a way that the world tries to numb their pain. And there's a way that Christians should, should take care of their pain. And so he goes on, he says, for, verse 3, for the time that has passed suffices for, what, for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the same way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
It says, would you like to be set free from the painful memories of your past? And he said, just, just put your heart right. Learn to forgive the offender and reach out to God and focus on God. In other words, fo- face the future again with like confidence or with courage and that God's going to take care of that. Listen, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is taking the next step in spite of your fear. Courage is knowing that even when you take that step in fear, that God is bigger than your fears. God is bigger than your past. God is bigger than what you've walked through. In other words, come to the place because, see, the world, what he's saying, (coughs) the world just tries to numb the pain, but it never lasts. The world just tries to escape. The world just tries to numb the pain any way that they can. But as a believer, we don't have to numb the pain. We can get set free from the pain. And in that hinge verse that I talked to you about, watch this. It's just, I'll read it one more time. It's just so fascinating that in this context, he says this. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So what does it mean? The end of all things is at hand. What is all? What is things? Why would he say that here? I mean, what is he talking about? What is Simon Peter talking about in the context of this, that the end of all things is at hand? As a result, be clear-minded, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You know what he's talking about when he uses that phrase, the end of all things is at hand? He's talking, about, he's talking about one day, one day it's all going to end. I mean, see, what, what, what can happen to us is we believe this world is permanent. This world is not permanent. We can, we can come into this place where, you know what, i got to deal with this for eternity. No, he's like, he's coming to the place and understand that the world, I mean, the end of everything is at hand. The end of what? The end of money. The end of clothes. The end of jobs. The end of the financial world. The end of the politics. The end of governments. The end of theater, the end of movies, the end of Netflix, Hulu, Twitter, Facebook that we think is so important. The end of social media, the end of sports. As a cowboy fan, that can happen today. The end of everything is what he's saying is at hand. And he says, you know, as a result of that, there's a, there is a new world coming. There is a new system coming. And one day it's going to break into this world and the old has gone away and the new has come. And there's going to be a new kingdom of righteousness. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. He's moving them, you know what, to look to the future. He's moving them. Set your priorities right. Understand your priorities. Understand what's going to last. Understand what you're going to take with you into eternity. He's moving them to the future. And he's, he makes a statement. He says, and be clear-minded and be sober-minded. If someone is clear-minded, it, if someone is not clear-minded, then they don't see reality with the proper perspective. They make a big, they, they, take, they take minor things and make them a major thing. They take a major thing and makes it a mi- minor thing. In other words, their priorities are completely upended. They are completely turned upside down. They, when you're not clear-minded, you can't make clear decisions. When you're not clear-minded, you can't see the proper reality. When you're not clear-minded, there's a minor thing or a temporary thing that can happen to you, and you believe it's a major thing that's going to last for eternity. And when there's a major thing that's going on in your life, you see it as a minor thing. In other words, the hurt and the pain begins to... to <coughs> to drive you to where you don't see life with the proper perspective. 
Simon Peter said, you've you got to get your priorities right. You've got to get your perspective right. You've got to be able to see that what is going to last and what is not going to last. What is important, what is not important. When you're hurting and when you're in pain and when you're carrying unforgiveness, it's like everything's a major thing. And the important things are not major things in, in, anymore. He's saying, get your values right. Get your perspective right. He's saying the key to forgetting is refocusing and refocusing on the right things. If you want to get rid of those memories and put them in the proper perspective, then he says, focus to the future. And focus to the future. Listen, don't keep rehearsing it in your mind. Oh, this person doesn't like me. This person ignored me. This person said some bad things about me. They posted some stuff on Twitter. They posted some things on Instagram. They posted some things on Facebook. This person rejected me. He's like, he's like asking, do you think you're going to be thinking of these things in heaven when you're next to Jesus? It's going to be what things? It's going to be what hurt? It's going to be what person? I mean, do you really think you're going to be thinking about these things? This is why he's saying come to the place to be clear-minded. Do you think in heaven you're going to be stressed over money? The streets are made of gold there. That's why he says be clear-minded. Get your priorities right. Understand what's going to last. Understand what's not going to last. And Simon Peter talked about James talked about this. Paul talks about this. Jesus, all the writers of the New Testament talked about this. And what happens in this world, it is so easy. See, this is his concern. It's so easy to allow the world to, to like, like squeeze you into its mold. For all of a sudden, the minor things, the major things no longer matter. And the souls of people no longer matter to you. You don't even care about it. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about the marginalized. You don't care about the hurting. He's like pressuring them. Don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. Don't try to get rid of your hurt and pain of the past the way the world does. Don't try to numb it the way that the world does. He's, he's like born-again Christian. You can know all kinds of stuff. You can know all kinds of information, sports scores and statistics. You can binge watch Netflix and what's happening on Facebook. And then all of a sudden you say, I just don't have time for Scripture. I don't even know what Scripture says. Saying, don't allow this world to squeeze you into its mold. To where you no longer read scripture and apply it to your life and apply it to your situation. He's like, be clear-minded, wake up. And then he says, be sober-minded. The opposite of being sober-minded is to be under the influence of something else that dulls you to reality. You ever tried to make sense to someone that's not sober? I mean, they, they can't even see reality. And most people, when, they're, when they are hurting and when they're dealing with pain of the past, they are looking, listen, they are looking for a quick fix. They are looking for any way that they can mask their pain, numb their pain, get rid of their pain. And if they have a painful memory that just keeps coming up over and over, then they try to numb it any way they can. It doesn't matter if it's hobbies. It doesn't matter if it's entertainment. It doesn't matter if it's success. It doesn't matter if it's alcohol. It doesn't matter if it's drugs. It doesn't matter if it's sex. It doesn't matter what it is. They will do, listen, they will do anything. The world will do anything to try to numb their pain. And I, I, had a, had a, I had a good friend and, and, um, in, in Texas, and so he had been an alcoholic, and he had, when I met him, he had been sober for 15 years. 
And I asked him, he's a preacher's kid, he was raised in the church, and I'm saying, hey, what did it for you? What changed it for you? He said, you know, the morning that I woke up after a three-day drunk and I realized my problems can swim. He said, I, still, I, I, thought I, I thought I could drink my problems away. Now I got more problems. This is what Simon Peter is saying. The, the world is going to try to squeeze you into its mold. And the world is going to tell you the way that you get rid of your pain of the past, you numb it. You do anything you can to escape it. And here's the thing about the world's ways of dealing with it. It doesn't last. Unfortunately, it can become an addiction. It can become addicting, and now you've got even more problems. And it never solves a problem. That's why Simon Peter in verse 3 says, don't, don't try to numb your pain the way that the world does. Verse 7, one more time. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. It's so interesting to me that he tied for the sake of your prayers to this other stuff. You know why he said that? Because when you're not clear-minded, when you're not sober-minded, you won't pray. It drives you away from prayer. When you don't have the proper values, when you're trying to numb it, it's going to drive you away from prayer. And I'm going to tell you, the only answer to, to forgiveness or unforgiveness is God. And the only path is prayer. The fourth and the last thing is this, that if you're going to find healing, there has to be a change in relationships. There has to be a change in relationship. In other words, you need new friends. You need new relationships. You need healthy relationships. <coughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but Scripture teaches us that you never find healing alone. The way that God heals us is just what Scripture says is in community. In other words, we need each other. And I believe the local church should be the very best place to find healthy relationships. To step into community, whether it's life groups and ministry and serving one another, praying for one another. That's why we end the services the way in which we do here. Because we understand that, guess what? We need each other. That's why he says, verse 8, one more time. He says, above all, above everything, keep loving one another earnestly. I'm just telling you, if you have unforgiveness of the past, it is hard for you to love people earnestly. Because you're carrying junk and stuff of your past. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may glorify through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He is talking about community. When he talks about this issue of hospitality... <clears throat> a lot of times we look at hospitality, inviting someone to over to our house and having you know, some really good food like fried chicken or something like that. It's not what he's talking about. Hospitality is this loving concern for another individual. Ministering to one another, encouraging one another, helping one another. That's, what, that's why we need supportive relationships. That's why he says in Hebrews 10.25, he says not neglecting the meeting together, which is talking about the local body church. As the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the day more as you see the day, the end, the day drawing near. He says it's dangerous when people go through hurt and pain for them to bail on the local church. And I, I'm just telling you as a pastor, and I've seen it over and over. When people stop going to church, you know they're in trouble. Take that as a rule. No matter what they're telling you, they're, they're in trouble. 
No matter matter what they say, oh, there's cliques down at that church. I don't like that pastor. I don't like his sermons. I don't like the music. Nobody welcomed me. Nobody said hi to me. I missed a weekend. Nobody called me. Nobody cares about me. No matter what people are telling you, do do not believe the smoke that they are blowing. When someone forsakes the local assembly, the church, they're already, they're already in trouble. That's why scripture says, do not neglect the meeting together. Why? So we can encourage one another. So we can spur one another on to godliness and living for him. And I'm encouraging this morning. That if you have wounds of the past, if you have unforgiveness, that you would start the path. And it is a path of finding healing in your life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?